Yo, BJ Gajor with the Weekly BJ Podcast, and we have a special guest today. We will get to later on in the show. Uh, we're going to cover the best new training tool out there. I think a lot of our real fitness geeks, trainer, gym owners, and entrepreneurs will really love this episode and being exposed to kind of the latest, greatest stuff, cutting edge tools, etc. Before I get to that, I wanted to share a quick story. Obviously, many of you listening knew I turned 37 last week, and uh, I got a funny comment from someone on an Instagram post, uh, basically, I, I newsflash, I have a fade. I get my hair cut with like a high fade faux hawk style because I actually have, when I was 17, I turned 17 and I got this big bump, this occipital bone on the back of my skull that just like, I hate it. It looks awful, but it's there. I can't do anything about it. And because I do so much video and photo, the bump catches light. So it looks like a bald spot and then people have to message me, uh, oh, it's so good to see someone with alopecia like doing big things. And again, nothing against people with alopecia. I just, I don't have alopecia. So I feel like, I feel bad having to say, well, actually I don't have alopecia. It's just like this deformity I have in the back of my head and um, whatever. But I guess it's kind of a funny story. But uh, so I don't have alopecia. It's just, it's a big bump in the back of my head, but it's a particular style of haircut I can get where I have a little more hair on that middle part of my back head and kind of this full hawk style. So it hides it. And uh, I still can get my fades and because I've, I've been getting a fade since I was a kid. But this lady commented, looks like that haircut's, haircut's a midlife crisis. And I'm like, first of all, because my wife sees all the comments too. So my wife goes to her page and, and sees the avatar. And she goes, it's always the person who looks like a boiled onion or a sickly green bean that talks shit, which I thought was funny. So I'm not making fun of the lady my wife did. So it's uh, lady on lady crime, but I just thought that was really funny. But but by the way, it, it, it is, it's very common. The people that always talk shit about your looks or whatever else, they don't necessarily come from a position to really talk shit, but that's besides the point. But just this concept, I turned 37 and I know we have a lot of people listening over 35, you know, and we're trying to fight father time and do the best we can. But what I, my response to her was this, it's like, you know, speak for yourself. Because for me, it's not a crisis it's a celebration. First of all, I don't really consider myself in my midlife yet because if I am, that means I'll only live to be, you know, what what is it, 74? I, I'd like to think I could get further than that, but um, it's all a fucking mindset, isn't it? And, you know, I don't feel like a 37-year-old. I never knew what it would, I never even thought about what it would be like to be 37 or what that would look like. Um, I feel the best I've ever felt. You know, I feel like I, I look my best, I'm performing my best, I'm as well-rounded as I've ever been. From a business standpoint, things are just starting to get fun. And I've mentioned before on past episodes, you know, Instagram is, uh, Instagram and fitness in general and a lot of things, a lot of industry, right? It's a young man's game, a young woman's game, but life is a grown man's game, a grown woman's game, because we put in all this work in our youth and finally, if you stay the course and you get a little bit better every single day, the fruits of your labor, they, they start to appear and there's this flourishing and you're smarter and you're more efficient and you can get more done in less time. And every effort you, you take, you get a bigger return than ever before because of all the groundwork you built up until this point. So you can approach aging as a crisis or you can approach it as a fucking celebration. Because 
if you take care of yourself and you exercise regularly and you eat well most of the time and only like an asshole some of the time, like I do on Fridays and Saturdays, TGIF! You know, it's up to you. You can age like a fine wine. I feel like I have. I feel like a lot of people I know in fitness have. A lot of people listening to the podcast that have shared their stories and, and their pictures and, and, and DMs, etc., emails. You guys are and gals are looking the best you've ever looked. But if you go with the mindset of I'm old and I can't do this or, you know, I'm 37 now so I can't get the same haircut I've gotten for years because people are going to say I'm having a midlife crisis, I say fuck them. And I, I mention this not only because of the parallel and, you know, turning 37 and, you know, graduating out of uh, mid-30s to late-30s. Um, it's a crisis. It's not a crisis. It's a celebration. But yesterday, I've been I've been doing some shooting around for the last couple of weeks, uh, Sunday fun day, just going to this really cool basketball court at Pepperdine University in Malibu, shooting around. And I went yesterday, and as I was approaching, I saw this you know, college kid, like playing around, like trying to dunk. He missed a couple times. And my initial reaction, because I, I love it when I'm there alone, because I just work on just shooting all different spots, post moves, free throws, you name it. It's just a fun way to get, you know, I, I've crushed typically like 800 plus calories in an hour, just shooting around and having fun, listening to music outside playing. Again, uh, more and more now, I'm just trying to do as little in the gym as possible and then use my fitness outside of the gym with stuff I enjoy and, and have loved my whole life. But I see this kid, I'm like, fuck, now I got to share the, the court with him and it's going to be awkward. But as I approach, I set my stuff down, I get my music ready and uh, he, he he comes up to me and says, hey, you want to play one-on-one? And I, my initial reaction to him was, um, actually, I'm just kind of getting back into it and you know, I was just going to kind of shoot around today and feel it out. But I appreciate the offer. I, I Otherwise, I would love to. And he said, okay, no problem. And then he sits down, he kind of, uh, I think he was saying a little bit of a rest and I started kind of going through some warm-up drills. I'm like, you know what? Um, my initial reaction was, okay, this – he obviously is asking me to play because he thinks he can beat me. And what's funny is – because this just shows my competitive nature, right? So I, I, you see things the way you want to see it. And I came home and told my wife this story, which I'm telling you now and sharing with you now. And she goes – or he was just really hoping that someone would show up so he could actually play against someone. I'm like, okay, I guess that's a possibility. But to me, it was like this young kid – wanted to, you know, show up this older guy or what looked maybe like a muscle-bound guy that can't play basketball. And I said, you know what? Fuck it. I'll play this kid. I don't give a shit if he beats me or embarrasses me. So I said to him, hey, man, actually, you know what? Let's play. Just give me five minutes to warm up. And I do my little mic and drill layup drill. I hit to my couple spots, warm it up a little bit. And uh, we started playing. And within the first couple possessions, we're going make it, take it to 15 by ones and twos. Twos if you hit a three. I mean, like, I, I could have I could have probably shut this kid out, 15-0. But I'm pr- trying to work on my game, and I also, like, you know, I'm, I'm a guest here. I don't want to use too much physicality. Um, but, like, I'm just, like, going down. I'm backing this guy down into the post, and I'm going baby hooks. I'm going fadeaways. I'm going up and unders. I'm going step-throughs. Like, he, he's, like, he's actually following the shit out of me, but I, I've got, like, 50 pounds in this kid. He's a great athlete, but he's 170. He's probably 20 years old. He plays rugby there, um, but I'm just like, I'm fucking dominating this this kid. And he thinks, by the way, that I I go to the school. You know, I, again, I'm not saying I'm the youngest looking guy, but I've got like a LA Dodgers hat on. I've got some sunglasses because it was a sunny day and I'm, I'm dressed the way I normally dress, you know, 
my fitted athleisure rack. I'm actually, I was wearing my muscle tee and three quarter functional trainer short from sleeve sold separately. Always representing my business. Um, but that's, it, that's what I wear. So it's authentic anyway. So he, he, for some reason thought I was, I went to the school and we're playing and like, okay, so I, I'm going to do this. I don't want to, I don't want to embarrass the kid and I actually want to get a workout in. So I would score two points in the post and then I would shoot a three and I don't have a great outside shot. So I'd miss, I missed every three except the last three I took, which I banked in to win the game. And it was 15-8, but it could have been like 15-0, 15-2-3 maybe if I really pushed it. But, you know, like, I, I didn't want to foul the kid. I didn't want to, <laughs> I mean, because, I, I, you know, I was putting some grown man moves on this kid. And uh, I'm th- I, I was laughing and I actually texted my buddy Jeremy Scott about this. And he's like, yeah, you could be the kid's dad. And I was like, wow, that's, you know, that's amazing. Like, I almost didn't play the kid because I was worried he'd embarrass me. And, you know, then you think, well, if you're 37, you can't just go and play basketball at a park anymore because, uh, you know, you're too old or whatever. And if you take care of yourself, uh, there's no reason. And I, I talked about this before in other episodes, like the, the key to staying young and other episodes that you should check out in the past. It's a mindset, man. Like um, this kid was 20 years old, great shape, six pack abs. And if I wanted to, I could have fucking shut him out. And I could have, I mean, I wasn't even really doing my main, like I, I never drove to the basketball, put my shoulder down. I mean, I could have taken this kid out, uh, but he was a good kid and uh business, business administration major. We talked a little bit after and sat on the bench and chatted. He was severely dehydrated. Let me just put it this way. He had like white stuff forming on his lips, caking. And luckily I had an extra Gatorade G zero. I gave him, um, but it was just a funny thing to, to go through and mention. I didn't even have to go into my bag and this 37 year old just, just dominated this 20 year old kid. So it is about mindset and don't ever put yourself in a situation where other older people or people your age who are not aging as gracefully or are not mentally tough enough to fight the aging process or retain the youth and and the love and the vigor for life and passion and movement. Don't let them get in the way of that and fight, fight the good fight, man. Age like a fine wine. Age is nothing but a number in a lot of ways, but getting older has so many fucking advantages. And I look back, um, even just physically, like I am more well-rounded physically than I've ever been. Like in terms of total fitness, I may not be the absolute most, uh, you know, strongest I've ever been, but like in almost every other aspect, like footwork, conditioning, mobility, stability, you name it, like skills, actual skills. I have more skills than I did when I was younger, when I even played college football, Um, so I just had to share that with you guys. Um, don't let any of these motherfuckers around you that have negative mindsets, uh, you know, or make fun of you for trying to stay young and and fight the good fight. We can still do some amazing things. If anything, I think a lot of us are now reaching our physical, mental, emotional, spiritual prime. So it's not a crisis. It's a fucking celebration. So we haven't had a guest in a while. It's funny, the first 40 episodes of this podcast, I just had guests on. And then since then, it's just been me on this solo ride with occasionally bringing my wife on, who, uh, by the way, all the best episodes have been with my wife. So she definitely is our better half. I think people really enjoy her. She'll be coming on on a regular basis, but I'll keep doing the solo thing and starting to now mix in some guests. So we'll we'll kind of make it a nice, well-rounded show and have a lot of fun with it. And 
Quick disclaimer for our guest today. I have I was sent the equipment, the flywheel equipment we'll talk about today for free, but not in exchange for the podcast. I only have them on the podcast because I love the training tool and I wanted to get someone with knowledge about it to come and discuss it and share it with you guys because I care about you and I want you to be exposed to the latest, greatest stuff out there. Many of you will be shocked with the price of some of this equipment, but a lot of you who really prioritize fitness or are gym owners yourself and are looking for the latest, greatest, latest, greatest tools for your athletes or your clients or trying to separate yourselves from other people in your space or your, your location, or your area, I think you'll really dig this too. And entrepreneurs, uh, I think you'll also love, uh, you know, because that they're in business and they're going through all the normal struggles that any new business has to go through to spread the word and make a name for themselves. So that's why they're on. Um, this is the best new training tool that nobody has. I, I wish more people had this because I love it. It's one of my favorite tools. I have both the K-Pulley and the K-Box in my garage gym. Uh, we'll talk about all the benefits and what it means and how it works in the actual episode when I interview Andreas, who's with the company. Um, but let me first touch on Eccentric itself. It's Eccentric, E-X-X-E-N-T-R-I-C, founded in Stockholm, Sweden in 2011 by Frederick Korea and Martin Fredriksson, specializing in flywheel training equipment. The company is known for its two devices, the K-Box and the K-Pulley, which are currently being sold in over 70 countries by more than 20 official resellers. The Eccentric U.S. office is located in Portland, Oregon, and is managed by Andreas Alstrom, who's our guest today. And Andreas is 39, a lifelong fitness enthusiast from Stockholm, Sweden. He grew up most of his spare time being spent in the gym and doing various martial arts, so obviously an active guy. Eager for challenges, joining the military right after high school, served as a member of the Amphibious Special Operations Unit within the Swedish equivalent of the USMC. So obviously this guy is the real deal when it comes to an athlete and just a a true enthusiast of exercise. Spent most of his time after the military as a trainer and coach before joining Eccentric in 2013. He has a BS in physical exercise from Portland State and is a certified strength and conditioning specialist by the NSCA. He's currently pursuing a master's in business administration in the evenings and will be graduating next year. So congratulations on that. We'll be getting to the interview shortly, but there is a special offer that they gave to my listeners just until October 1st. So if you want to take advantage of it, you have to do it quick. I get nothing. I get no income or anything, no affiliation fee for sharing this, but I wanted listeners who are interested and want to pursue this in some way because I I really believe in the tool. Uh, There's a 10% off coupon code until October 1st, The Daily BJ. It doesn't have any, it's not case sensitive. So just the three words, The Daily BJ together in whatever way you want. And the link is also with the coupon code in the show notes for this episode. You only have until October 1st. I get nothing from it, but I, I have really love this tool. I use it often. I wish I could use it more and share it more without getting hate messages because people don't have it. But it's being used by a lot of pro athletes and high-end strength and conditioning coaches in the MLB, NFL, NBA it's a real cutting edge device and whether you buy it or use it or not, or you ask your gym to buy it, which is the best way to not have to spend your own money and still access the best tools, by the way, I just want you guys to be abreast of the best stuff out there. So uh, I think you'll enjoy this even if you can't afford it or won't get it or may never use it because we talk about some cool training principles and at least you'll know what it is because it's being used all over military rehab settings, etc. So you've heard it. Many of you will hear it here first. Or you'll see it first on my social media channels. All links are in show notes. Enjoy this episode, guys. Love you. Peace. 
Andreas, BJ, welcome to the show, man. Thank you. Can you tell me how to properly pronounce your last name? I didn't even want to attempt. Uh, Alstrom. Alstrom. Okay. Yeah. I, I thought that's what it was, but I wasn't going to dare uh, you know, <laughs> bastardize your name on this podcast. We're really excited to have you, man. Uh, we've already introduced you to the listeners. Take me through. Well, first of all, I have to thank you for sending me this device, both the K-Box and the flywheel pulley, because obviously many people know I've been sent so many things over the years. When I was at Men's Health, I get a new box of something every day. So I've, I've been exposed to a lot of different training tools. And, you know, people that listen to me and follow my stuff know that I'm all about the highest return, lowest cost, lowest impact activities for longevity. So I'm huge on that. And what I was so intrigued about with the initially, initially the K box and then the actual pulley is that it, it allowed for, first of all, a very unique stimulus eccentrically. We'll talk about that, the stretching portion of the lift and how important that is for strength and muscle gain and performance and injury prevention, unique training angles. And I, I also found particularly on like moves, like, you know, let's say a deadlift or movements that can really be draining with the barbell or dead weights. I could actually get in some ways better activation and better training effects, but very accelerated recovery. So I wouldn't feel like I was, you know, dead for five days after doing, you know, some of these key lifts. So um, it's been a big, you know, tool in my arsenal that I really enjoy. The only issue for me and part of why I want to get you on. And again, I'm not, we're not sponsored. I make no money off of this stuff. Uh, I did get it sent to me for free, but um, I want people to be more exposed to this and, you know, hear about the latest and greatest stuff because it's so effective, but nobody has it. That's, that's the real obstacle. And hopefully we can, we can at least work towards getting more people involved or just con to consider the option by listening to this episode. Sounds great. Yeah. I'm really excited. Thanks. Uh, thank you for uh, having me on your show. We're uh, you've been using our stuff for a while now. We've been known each other for uh, back to men's health days. And uh, so I'm glad to be on here and just kind of talk about it and, hopefully share some knowledge, um, you know, spread the word kind of so people can understand how it works and, you know, what it could, what kind of benefits it could give. I love it, man. Well, let's talk about, you know, many people know about the flywheel through like a company, let's say, you know, concept two, they've got their rower, they've got their ski erg and, you know, they actually have flywheels built into them and they're more concentric only devices, which mean, you know, you're just pushing on the actual contraction portion of the exercise. And you're mm -hmm. not being eccentrically loaded at all. And, you know, th those are actually nice in the sense that, especially for like high volume cardio stuff, the concentric only devices are actually pretty easy to recover from. They have a pretty uh, small learning curve, lower risk of injury. Are you, are you playing with bubbles? I'm sorry? I heard some bubbles popping. No, uh, I think it was my share, maybe. <laughs> okay, yeah. So Sorry. Oh, so it's all good. I, I thought we were, I thought you like had those uh, packing bubbles you know, oh no and shipping boxes i because I, I do i do like those but then i don't have any around right now because <laughs> if you're going to start using them I, I actually have i have a box of those right next to my chair here because we're we ship out the shorts mm -hmm. so we actually have packing material so if you ever want to do that on, on the episode let me know we can do it towards the end as kind of a celebration sounds good and i need to get some shorts by the way i'm meaning to ask you about this so we have to talk about that too sometime i think we do i think your beautiful <laughs> legs would, would really look phenomenal all right. Um, so, yeah, the people know of those devices, but the, your flywheel is completely different. So can you talk to us about the origins and 
and what the flywheel really is in terms of how you guys produce it. Absolutely. So um, I don't know how in-depth uh, you want me to go, but so the flywheel training has been around, for, uh, been around for a long time. I believe like the first flywheel device for resistance training was built in the like 1796 in France, I think. So it's been around for a while. Uh, and I believe there's some early studies uh, like around 1913, 1920. And then it kind of resurfaced again in the 1980s, um, thanks to, and it really came down to space exploration. So like in the 1980s, there was a lot of interest for scientists to kind of, as we were, as we were doing more space exploration and planning longer you know, space excursions, um, there was this need of figuring out how we could um, help astronauts, you know, because in space you have microgravity. So like you have, uh, you know, atrophy if, if you're spending for a long time. So they were trying to figure out like a good way to solve that. And there was a lot of different, you know, uh, things that they tried that didn't really work that well. And then they started to figure out like, hey, let's try with a flywheel because the, the good thing with um, the flywheel is that it's gravity independent. So it works, it works in space. So they, um, they did some research. Um, or it kind of resurfaced then, and they did some research in the 1980s that showed very popular, and uh, um, uh, or showed it worked really well, basically. And that uh, that research was uh, a collaboration. It was it was being done at a Swedish uh, medical university in Stockholm, and it was a collaboration between uh, the medical university, uh, NASA, and the European Space Agency, and. Uh, Basically, uh, to move, hop, jump forward a, f uh, a few years, is that one of the um, co-founders of the Eccentric, he, uh, he's a medical doctor, and he went to this university, and, and he was kind of exposed to the device and the, the research, and that's kind of how he got into it and uh, started to work with it uh, with a colleague of his. And they basically um, said, like, hey, this is great, but this could work on Earth too, not just in space. And then they, they kind of took, um, they kind of took that and kind of made it their own and went another way with it. And that um, ended up being the first K box in 2000, you know, early 2010, 2011. And how many iterations have you guys had so far of the K box? Which for those listening, it's it's this unit you stand on. You can attach bars to it, handles, a bunch of different, you know, options that way, and you can do things like curls, bent over rows overhead presses really really sky's the limit especially now they have a pulley you can mount against a wall and treat basically as a cable column with this unique flywheel resistance just to give you the visual and again you can check out the site see all the movements many of you have probably seen me use it before on instagram or youtube um but go ahead talk about like the number of iterations uh, that you guys have been through because that's always fascinating because you're, you're taking something that was designed for uh mitigating you know the muscle loss in space because it was independent of gravity, and now you're trying to apply it to, you know, actual training applications on planet Earth. So it's just, it's a fascinating origin story, man. Yeah, I, I think so. It's uh, it, it usually always, it's always a good icebreaker when you start mentioning that. And, uh, and so, people love and space. the cool thing, it, that's right. And uh, <laughs> it, it always, especially when you mention like NASA or something, people always uh, get interested. But I think that uh, it's one of those cool things that while it works really well in space, I think that even though it's gravity independent and obviously we have gravity on Earth, it actually, because of it being that, um, 
it actually has some huge advantages uh, on Earth, and I'd be happy to, you know, as we move forward in this uh, podcast, uh, we can talk more about those advantages. But when it comes to um, number of iterations of the K-Box, so the company was founded in 2011, and that's kind of when we launched the K-Box 1. And then there's been, then we had the K-Box 2, we had a 2.5, and K-Box 2.5, and, and then K-Box 3, and now we have the K-Box 4. So it's been a few, but it's honestly, it's not really accurate because especially with the K-Box 4, I mean, we do constant upgrades and constant changes to uh, the K-Box all the time, but we don't, you know, we don't make it, we're not like Apple that we have to like come up with a new number and new thing every year. Um, so it's been a lot of smaller ones over the years. Um, and, um, you know, take something like, you know, the K-Meter, you know, the fact that it's built in now, um, which is our power uh, sensor. Um, and it wasn't built in, it was an external device. So that was kind of a change we made, but we didn't change the number on the K-Box. So, um, but we're, uh, and I think that's something we're fairly known for. Like we're always kind of pushing, um, you know, try to be innovative, try to push what we can do and make the product better. Uh, and, and, you know, you just keep striving with that, making the, you know, I think the, the product obviously is great, but I think there's a lot of room for uh, not just improvement, but, you know, creating other devices. And we're, that's what we're really trying to do, you know, never settle. I love it, man. What was your uh, first exposure to it? And like, what did you feel? Because I, I, I want to share like my first experience on the box and just the unique stimulus. But can you describe like, do you remember the first time you were on and just how you felt there was this different feel compared to doing, you know, the classic barbell dumbbell stuff? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I have, um, a, you know, a pretty long training background and like most people, you know, it was met, spent most in the gym and, you know, lifting heavy stuff, you know, and, uh, so I get uh, exposed to the K-Box first time just because uh, it didn't exist in the U.S. at the time. I, I saw like most people, you know, I saw, I saw a video and I thought it was just like, this is just so cool. Um, this, I need to try this. And then, so when I got my hands on one, it was just a, a really, a really cool experience. And I think that's one of the good and bad things about the K-Box. I think that even though you can read and you can see videos and you can understand, you know, theoretically how the K-Box work, it's just really difficult to um, explain how it feels when you're using it. So um, I'm, I'm not sure I even want to try, but it's one of those things that you feel I mean, it, you, you're like, you're, you're connected to the device and you're just, you know, the fact that you can work out, you know, very light, you can do your warm up and you can do, you know, the most brutal <laughs> workout you've ever done in your whole life. And uh, it's just, it's just very smooth. Uh, you're, I mean, there's so many ways to use it. So you don't have to be on the constant tension, but that's probably the most common that you're connected in a way that you're, you're, you're doing full range of motion. So as soon as you extend, you're, you're going into your next repetition. Uh, so uh, it's, uh, which is also one of the benefits of the equipment. Like it's very versatile. You can, you can use it in so many different ways. So it's hard to, you know, just say like, this is how it feels using it because there, you know, there's ways to use it. But um, it was just, it's one of those things where I, I guess if I have to say something is that when I first kind of used it, it was kind of that light bulb moment. I'm like, oh my God, like it's, it's even better that, you know, all the things that they said, like how you, how it works. 
it was just like it blew my mind basically and uh, it's kind of funny i have a few uh, i have a few voicemail actually from uh, from early clients that um, you know that kind of called me after uh, they tried it and it was just and I, I think that was the most common reaction, like, you know, being blown away, like, oh, I, I didn't expect to feel like this. Uh, uh, and these are people that did a lot of research, you know, like they knew everything going in, but it's just really hard to explain that feeling. Uh, and um, which is why we try to get it in front of people and get them to try it, because that's really, you know, that's the best, best way I would say to sell a K-Box is to get up and try it and you'll, you'll understand. And for those listening to the way you described it as like you're connected to the unit, because that's actually a great way to describe it. It's almost like you have a training partner and it, your training partner is trying to constantly, you know, meet you or match the level of intensity you bring. So if you pull up, let's say we're doing a bicep curl on the unit, you're standing on it, you pull up and the faster you pull up, the faster it pulls down on you. So it's almost as if you're working against a stronger version of yourself, so to speak, and you have to control that movement in a way on the eccentric or stretching portion of the exercise that is unlike any stimulus I've ever felt on a training tool. Um, so it, it, again, it's almost like a stronger version of yourself is, is working with you while you're doing it. Uh, maybe that, mm -hmm. that's one way to describe it. And, and you will feel a level of, uh, a level of, in my opinion, fast twitch fiber muscle fatigue that is quite unique and, a level of activation on the stretch or descent of the movement that is, I think, impossible to fully find or appreciate in other devices. So you want you want to kind of touch on the, the this inertial resistance that a flywheel provides versus the other resistance that people find in gyms. Absolutely. So uh, what most people are, um, you know, when we think about resistance training, we're generally, you know, there's a lot of ways to do it, but. The most common, I think most people associate with resistance training is that you're, you're, you're either sitting in a machine uh, and, you know, pushing or pulling something and there's a weight stack moving or you're lifting like a barbell or dumbbell, like something heavy and you're lifting it up and you're putting it down. That's pretty much uh, what we, uh, what most people think. But when it comes to, uh, uh, which wouldn't work in space, right? Because we don't have any gravity because that's all about gravity. So how a flywheel works instead of, you know, moving weight you're working against a flywheel or uh, you're working against inertia so basically what happens is that uh, as you as uh, so you connect yourself to uh, a flywheel device so, so, so the k-box for example and then you know you say you're you're pulling and the harder you pull you make the flywheel spin and then so you're basically you're you're putting energy into this wheel and the harder you pull the more it's resisting so it's always matching you uh and so it's, it's like that barbell who gets, you know, the harder you try to lift it, it gets heavier. So it's really, really cool. Uh, and then on the way down, so you do that in a concentric phase, or, you know, in your bicycle, for example, so you're doing your curl and you put all this energy into the wheel and it's resisting you. And then when you come to you, uh, the top of the, your bicycle and you're going down, then it's going to pull you down with the energy that you put into it. So like the same amount of energy. Now you have to resist um, so, so the harder you pull, the harder it gets. Uh, so I can go really light as a warm up, and then I can immediately go, you know, as hard as I can, and uh, it will match me. So, and there's a lot of advantages over that, um, you know. So we call that variable and unlimited resistance. So it's variable in the way that, for example, as you get fatigued in a in a set of repetitions, you you start you're going to start pulling less, and the 
and the K-Box automatically adjusts to you. You know, like if you listed a dumbbell, if you can't lift it anymore because you're fatigued, then either somebody has to help you, you have to put them down and grab like a, a pair of lighter dumbbells. So here, the K-Box does that for you automatically. Uh, and then when it comes to unlimited, in, in theory, you can, always, you, know, you can always make the flywheel spin quicker by pulling harder. So there's really no limit to how much force you can generate. So, um, which is super cool. Um, if you take like an exercise, like a squat or something that if somebody's really strong, you have to have an insane amount of weight on the bar. But here you have a K box with some flywheels that maybe weighs 50, 60 pounds and can generate the same amount of force as, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pounds on a bar. So, which gives a lot of, uh, it's, which makes it really practical to use. For example, I can do, you know, 500 pound, you know, the equivalent of like a five, 600 pound squat in my living room without having any plates to drop or anything like that. So the, there's a lot of cool, cool things that come with using a flywheel versus uh, you know, gravity-based equipment like barbells and dumbbells. And you know, there's a couple of things I wanted to unpack based on what you just said. I, I loved the breakdown of this. And so the, the bicep curl example, it's not just by the way. So you, know, you think about the bicep curls, the single joint movement that is for your biceps. But we know like even a barbell bicep curl, if it's loaded properly and you've got good technique, you know, it's going to work uh, the backside of your body, the postural muscles, but not like on the K-Box. When, when that thing pulls you down, because it's going to want to pull you towards the toes. So if you don't drive your heels into the box and really root yourself into the ground the way you need to when you're in athletic situations, right? Because it's all about creating force ground up. Uh, you will feel like you, I, I feel it on my, in my traps, in my upper mid back, in my glutes. My lower back is active as a stabilizer, and you get such a, a unique stretch on the biceps and an entire backside of the body from it. And we're just talking about the bicep curl here. Mm -hmm. Not to mention if I did it from like you know a staggered stance, if I wanted to get more, you know, um, hip stress going. But so again, it just there it, it finds a way to make what is an, even an isolated movement an integrated kind of whole body exercise unlike any tool i've experienced and again like i i don't get money from you guys i'm just like i've been on this I, i've experienced a lot of things and it's really unique and you have you can have basically there's four flywheels that can be put on the box and two on the pulley right uh yeah in total you mean uh, number of flywheels total yeah, so yes. there, 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 you have the ability to go up in resistance by adding flywheels, and you have also, you know, a small, medium, and large flywheels. Mm -hmm. So there's, you know, more micro-loading, there's macro-loading, but even in one flywheel, like you said, there's an infinite level of resistance based on the fact that uh, as you get stronger, more powerful, and you can increase the rate of force production, you can infinitely make resistance increase on just a single flywheel for life, correct? Just if, if you continue to be able to pull it faster? Correct. So you wouldn't have to. So I think that's a, uh, I think most people are so, uh, you know, we're so used to like, if I want it to be heavier, I have to put more stuff on the bar, for example. But that's not the same thing with flywheel. Like you said, like I can use one wheel and still generate, you know, I, I just go harder, it gets heavier and heavier and heavier. Uh, but uh, so adding more flywheels wouldn't necessarily make it, you know, more resistance. It just changes the inertia, which changes kind of the speed of the exercise. And if we want to go like, you know, fairly technical, I would say that if you're doing an exercise uh, like bicep curl, if you have a very low inertia, so let's say you had a really small flywheel and you, you were really strong, you would be able to do like these super, super fast curls, right? And at a certain point, uh, that's just how the body works. Basically at very high, 
at very high speeds, the muscles are not generate uh, are not able to produce maximum force because like the contraction is too quick. So if you want to have really high force, you you in general want to slow the movement down a little bit. So that's when we adding more flywheels, you're you're getting more force. Uh, but it's always going to end up being uh, whatever you put into it. Exactly. And so what you're describing is is the strength speed continuum, right? So uh, larger flywheels, more flywheels, it's going to be more of a strength, slower grinding movement, whereas smaller flywheels, fewer flywheels, faster, more continuous. And uh, but you want to you want to play on both ends of the spectrum and everything in between. But like you said, there is a sweet spot. And one of my favorite protocols, uh, I'll, I'll do this with almost anything. I particularly like it with uh, bent over rows on the K-Box and bicep curls in the K-Box. For pulling movements in particular, I find the flywheel to be like unmatched for, for pulling exercises. That's just been my experience. Um, because there's also much less stress in the spine compared mm-hmm. to the traditional deadweight stuff, which I like. Because it's easy to recover from, better for longevity. But I'll do, you know, I'll do drop sets. I'll have three flywheels on. I'll do let's say uh, 10 to 15 reps, or I'll do uh, as many reps as I can before I, the bar speed starts to slow. Yep. Then I'll take 20 to 30 seconds to take a flywheel off, reset, repeat for two flywheels, do the same thing. When I, when I feel like the bar speed slows, I'll take off another fly, flywheel and just finish max reps with a single flywheel. So basically a double drop set mm-hmm. on this unit that you can put in your car, you can travel with it, you can put it in your, your house, your basement, your garage gym, um, and like, I have never felt the uh, muscle pump that I, I felt with, with that drop set technique. But, you know, again, because we have a lot of people listening that have tried everything and do advanced training protocols. But this is this is from, you know, beginners in rehab settings all the way up to the most advanced trainees looking for, you know, ways to. And for me, I don't have uh, I train it in my backyard or mainly my garage gym now. So I don't, I don't have a lot of room and I, I don't have a lot of, uh, so space is a priority and the pulley is great because I can put it up against the wall and we just mounted it, mounted it to a bunch of studs and it basically functions like an adjustable cable column, uh, which is much more space efficient. And, and frankly, it's actually less money than a cable column would be. And then I have this box that functions as a, you know, standing, uh, unit that I can do almost any movement on that in a six by six foot space. So I'm just trying to give people the idea of how space efficient and it is expensive, but it is cost efficient compared to the traditional stuff you do see in gym settings. So I just wanted to point that out. Yeah. And I think, I think that that comes up pretty, uh, pretty often when we talk to people that, you know, it is, you know, we have, we, when it comes to the K box, for example, we have three different models of it. So we have, uh, I believe you have the pro, which is the fancy version, you know, because, you know, because you because you're fancy, yeah, exactly. You know, so we have three versions of the K box, so there there is some options. You don't have to buy the most expensive one if people think it's expensive. But I think what you what you said, I, I really want to like, really want to emphasize that when it comes to kind of value and what you're getting. That I think if you if you want to get something else other than a K box, like hey, I want to get a squat rack, I want to get you know the the plates, the barbell. Like there's a lot of things you can do, and there's some other things um, that you can get, obviously. But I think that as far as what you get with a K-Box, you know, you get the, you're saving the space. You can do tons of different exercises. There lo- there's a lot of advantages to flywheel training over traditional training. So I, I really do think there's, it's a huge value uh, in the K-Box. Um, but, you know, I mean, but I understand, you know, people, I think it's more that people are used to 
like, oh, I need this quad rack, I need this. Um, but hey, if you want to use your whole garage to your gym versus this, you know, this two devices, basically, that'll take up just a small fraction of the garage, then um, I know where I'm standing. <laughs> so. well, yeah, by the way, those listening to, you know, there's a lot of things that are, you know, popular now, like belt squat machines that, you know, by the way, that take up a huge amount of space are anywhere from like three to $5,000 in some cases. And, and the belt squat, you have actually a belt squat accessory you can wrap around your hips, attach to the strap and do, you know, flywheel belt squats with no spinal stress. You can change your stance, you can change your orientation. So that, that's just one of the movements because you guys have all these accessories that basically unlock every possible exercise in some way that, uh, so again, it's just one of those things. If you, if you want to see, it is certainly a very expensive training tool. There's no denying that, but it has a pretty you know, unparalleled versatility and space efficiency to it. And, uh, you know, one thing I wanted to touch on too is uh, t talk to me about and explain to the listener this concept of eccentric overload. Because people usually think of that in the sense that oh, you can slow a rep down for four seconds and get rid of this stretch reflex in your muscles and connective tissues, which makes your muscles work harder. And eventually when you do things fast again, you should have more strength and power. As a result of that, they also think about eccentric overload as, let's say, uh, you know, forced reps. You can't do any more reps, but then you have, uh, you know, you lower the weight and then you have a partner assist you. There's lots of ways people visualize eccentric overload. And a lot of the research into the eccentric phase, the, short, the uh, lengthening phase of the rep or the negative shows, you know, superior strength and muscle gain, but also uh, more muscle damage, which has to be counted for. So talk to us about how the flywheel has a unique eccentric overload compared to like those traditional bodybuilding methods. Yes. So just to uh, clarify for your listeners too. So we're talking about the same thing is that, so when, when I personally talk about eccentric overload, I'm talking about above one RM concentric. So for example, if I'm doing, you know, the classic that if I go up on, you know, if I do, um, uh, like a standing calf race with both legs and then I drop, you know, take a foot off and then I go down on one foot. That's technically an overload because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm putting more weight on the, on the eccentric face than I did concentric, but I'm not overloading. I'm not like using a lot of force. So when it comes to eccentric overload, we're, we, uh, we're definitely talking more about adding more weight that you can lift concentrically. And I think the most, the best benefit of flywheel training uh, compared to, you know, the traditional ways to do it is that it's extremely practical to do it with uh, something like a K-Box. So if I wanted to do uh, an overload with a squat uh, in the squat rack, you know, you have to have spotters or you're dumping it after uh, dumping it, you're, you know, you're doing, you're having people lifting it for you, you're going down, you drop it, or you have uh, releases or you know, so it can be done, but it's very, uh, it, I don't think it's very practical. It's a lot of times it's not very safe or you need to have like two people spotting you. So, you know, it can be done, but it's, it's definitely a little bit tricky. And so with the K-Box, it's extremely easy to achieve eccentric overload. Uh, um, and, and this is kind of one of the most common questions I get. So, for example, if we go back to our bicep curl that we talked about a few times now that, you know, if I'm, if I'm putting all, all everything I got into it on the way uh, you know, in my curl and then on the way down, I don't, I'm not magically adding any force. So like whatever I put in, I'm going to get back. So it's more of a one-to-one -one relationship. So there's no real overload then. But there's a multiple ways I can achieve a centric overload by doing, there's a few techniques. Um, so one of the simplest techniques 
is that I, I'm adding basic cheating on the concentric face. I'm adding accessory muscle. So if you take, again, the bicep curl, what I can do is that I'm adding, uh, in, as I'm curling the bar up, I'm adding like a half or a quarter of a squat into it. So I'm, like, so I'm adding the, the energy from my legs as well, because uh, it wouldn't matter in the concentric phase because the harder I pull, even if I'm adding my legs, I'm still working 100% with my arms. Then when I, when I get start getting pulled down, now I don't use my legs. I keep my legs straight, and now I'm just trying to absorb it with my arms. Uh, so now I have to absorb all the energy that I produce with my upper and lower body with just my arms. So now I'm, now I'm have a, a much higher eccentric force uh, using, you know, for my arms. So that's a very simple way to do it. Uh, which would, and I can do it over and over again. Uh, like with, uh, with traditional weights, usually I just do one rep or uh, depending how, how good of spotters I have. But here you can do like continuous overload uh, rep after rep, for example, using that technique. And there's a few other ones that you use that are extremely easy to do. I, I, love, I love that distinction. Let, let's touch it and categorize that for them too. So there is eccentric overload and, and a super maximal effect, meaning you can actually... Uh, quote unquote cheat or use assistance from other muscle groups to complete the lift concentrically or lift it and then you can use the target muscle group to just lower the weight in a way that it could never lift on its own that, that's the example of so those everybody has done this by the way and whether intentionally or not like the cheat curl right mm -hmm. so you use your hips to throw the dumbbells up to your shoulders and then you you know you lower the weight for three to five seconds and you can never lift that weight just by curling it alone, but because you use your hips, now you can eccentrically overload because in the eccentric or negative phase of the movement, you're upwards of 25 to 50% stronger in that phase. So it actually gets you used to heavier loads. Eventually, the goal is to be able to bridge the gap and be able to lift it and lower it. And then there's accentuating the eccentric. And with traditional weights, you can slow that down. You can slow the, 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 the lowering portion down for three to five plus seconds. You could speed it up if you want to get more of a plyometric effect. Um, but like you said, with, with traditional dead weight, uh, they can be pretty taxing on the body um, in a way that it isn't as taxing with the flywheel, I found. Like when I do, uh, you know, the, the force rep stuff or the, whether it be centric overload or eccentric accentuated, you know, you're talking like three to five days of recovery needed in most cases for a drug-free athlete. But not, not, not the same way with the flywheel. You can still get that where, like you talked about using, like basically – power cleaning the weight up to chest level or to shoulder level and then getting completely erect and locking in the glutes, the abs, and then trying to fight just using the biceps only and, and the backside of your body, uh, you know, as a supportive mechanism to lower the weight. Uh, it won't cause the same level of muscle damage and soreness as the other devices. That's been my experience at least. Yes. And I would agree. That's, that's my experience too. And I've seen some research that, uh, that there's uh, like people get accustomed to the K box, um, this kind of training really quickly. Because uh, I, I, I know there was a kind of fear initially when we, um, a few years back when we kind of started this, but people like, oh, eccentric overload, you know, people, oh, we're going to be, people are going to be sore and out of commission for weeks to do using this. But that's not really the case. And, and obviously, with anything new, I wouldn't tell somebody to get on the K box or, I mean, it's like if somebody never worked out, I wouldn't tell them to go like max squat the first set. Same thing with the K-Box. You, you know, you introduce it maybe a couple times a week and then you have to get accustomed to it. You know, you can increase it just like with every, anything else. So like as long as you train smart, it's extremely efficient. It's extremely safe. Uh, 
in, in a lot of ways. And the closest thing I could pinpoint to it would be a band because it, much like uh, the flywheel bands have, you know, a dynamic variable resistance, right? So the faster you would, uh, you know, push a band, the faster it comes back at you. Um, so it, it is, it's auto-regulated in that sense, right? So it, it's really as hard as you make it. There are different levels of band resistance you can graduate to, but with the bands, you get peak tension and peak contraction where with the flywheel, where I feel the biggest contraction is uh, in, the trans in the transition from going from lowering the weight to lifting the weight. So it's that, it's the, I get it's, it for depending on the movement, it, it could be the midpoint, the, the starting point, but it, it's basically that transition where the muscles have been fully stretched now. And now you've got to quickly turn it over to the next concentric rep or the lifting portion of the exercise, which is uh, different than the band. So, uh, can you can you just talk to because I know you, you don't just use the flywheel I, you use all the tools right you still use all the tools and you're not saying this is going to replace all types of uh, classical resistance training it just becomes a tool that can really enhance your training um, and provide some versatility but uh, can you talk about because we have a lot of listeners who are used to the band tension and how how that works how would you differentiate the flywheel versus like a resistance band so a uh, good question. And, and I want to also emphasize what you just said is that I'm definitely not uh, one of those people that are going to say like, hey, this is going to replace everything. This is the only thing you need to do. So I'm very blessed uh, in the way where I have a really nice setup in my garage, probably similar to yours, BJ. You know, I have a squat rack, I have weights, I have, I have, a, I have a rower, I have an aerodyne, I have a bunch of really cool equipment that I use and I jump rope and, you know, I have some other stuff too that I use. So I'm definitely not, you know, K-Box only, you know, uh, K-Poly only guy. Uh, but I do think it's a, it's a huge benefit and I use it a lot. Uh, when it comes to, uh, uh, so I think for most people that, um, it obviously depends when you're talking to, but if you're talking about somebody who's just, you know, trying to get, stay in really good shape or get in shape, I think there's a benefit of kind of mixing different uh, training, you know, methodologies and you know what you do uh just you know to get fit and um when it comes to resistance band i think they're i mean by far they're very uh, affordable way of uh, getting some resistance training and so uh, it wouldn't be like really a fair comparison i think uh, obviously i think the band wins hands down when it comes to like affordability you can do a lot a lot with them if you're a little bit creative i think there's obviously for, I know there's some really thick bands out there, but you, you're going to have like a limit of what kind of force you can produce. Uh, um, like if you want to do like some really heavy lifting and then, um, uh, uh, but otherwise it, it's somewhat similar, I guess. Uh, but with the nice thing with something like a flywheel, usually with, so with a band, you're going to have the least amount of resistance. Obviously you can, you can pull out the band and have the starting position where the band is really already extended. So you start at a position when you have a lot of resistance, but you're going to have less resistance in your starting position and where you have when it's even more extended. So with, the, with something like flywheel, it doesn't have to be that. You can have 100% resistant. So 100% resistant of what you're able to produce in every angle of the movement. So uh, it, it, is, it is very different in that way where you can really challenge your muscles. And again, uh, like we mentioned before, there's no limit to how much uh, resistance or how much force you uh, can create. So uh, uh, 
so you, you can really push yourself with like a flywheel training device versus a band. But again, the band is extremely affordable. I have them. I think they're a great tool, but uh, I don't think uh, for like heavy resistance training, uh, uh, I think, you know, band might not be the best tool compared to like, even like, uh, you know, barbells, dumbbells or anything else. Yeah. And like, if we go back to this, we've been using the bicep curl example the whole time. There is a point when you're doing the bicep curl, especially with, you know, a more challenging load where it's moving and you're just waiting for it to like, so basically your, your muscles aren't necessarily under a constant tension, if that makes sense, because you're producing the concentric force. You're bringing, like you're bringing the, the bar up to your, your shoulder level to finish off the curl, but that, and, and just basically preparing your body to absorb what's going to come back your way eccentrically on the way down. So it, it, I guess the best way I can describe it, the feel of it is you, you really feel um, each phase of the rep independently, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Whereas it's not like a, like a lot of people, you know, they, they do the constant tension stuff on like, say a cable machine and they just kind of keep it in motion, but they never really feel that, that push up and down that can happen with the flywheel because of it's, it's a cable stack versus the inertial flywheel. Does that make sense? Yes. Uh, I, I think that's a really way, good way of putting it. I mean, like every repetition uh, in a set of flywheel is unique in that way, where unless you change the weight in, your, in the machine you're using or changing dumbbells, uh, there, nothing, everything stays the same otherwise. But with the flywheel, every set of you is unique, uh, where you're putting in as much effort as you, as you want. If it's maximum, uh, then it's maximum. And uh, so it gives a lot of, uh, it really changes what you can do and also how much you can, like if you really want to put in effort, you can, you can really get a really uh, tough workout. So obviously there's been a lot of research on the flywheel proving its benefits. Do you want to kind of point to maybe a, a study or two that shows like some of the implications versus you know, traditional weight training protocols or like for a particular exercise, just to give the listeners some idea that, you know, it's not just uh, a couple guys messing around in Stockholm, right? That there's actually been some research into the device. Yeah. So there's been a lot of research done, especially then like back in the 1980s uh, when they, you know, when they really looked into this, but uh, I'd be happy to invite anybody. um, You know, that's the nice thing with the internet. There's, there's a lot of research article out there. So I, I invite your listeners to, you know, use Google and see, uh, find some. We have some good ones that, um, you know, to make the search a little bit easier, we found some. So not like we done them ourselves. Like we found them and put them on the website. So they can go to our website and see some of the, some of the kind of major ones. Uh, but, uh, but overall, um, there's one that uh, I think is really good that's fairly new because I, I know a lot of times when you look into research studies, it's like, oh, this was made in the 60s or something. Um, and I think doesn't mean they're not good, but it's always nice when something I think is a little bit newer. And there's one uh, that just came out a couple of years ago when they did like a meta-analysis uh, on flywheel training versus traditional resistance training. When they looked into like nine different, they compared like nine different studies and um, it was like 270 something subjects. And they kind of looked at the comparing the outcomes between flywheel training um, and traditional weight training. And uh, there was some uh, uh, 
basically in favor of flywheel training that it was uh, it basically showed that flywheel were superior uh which i think was pretty cool and that's just one of uh, several studies has been made uh so which has obviously helped in in kind of spreading the word of flywheel because uh you know people wouldn't use it if it wasn't good either so we've been growing pretty steadily and the flywheel training has definitely grown not just for us but if you go back you know, 10 years versus today. Like there's definitely more flywheel training products out there now. So, um, so I think, yeah, there's definitely a lot of support there, but again, I invite anybody to, um, uh, to look at our website or, you know, use the internet and, you know, find the research out there when it comes to like, uh, something that the, uh, flywheel training is really big on is, you know, the eccentric training and eccentric overload. And I think when it comes to stuff that's been studied a lot, then, you know, the, the, the efficiency of eccentric training and eccentric overload is pretty like well studied, I would say. So, uh, and that has nothing to do with flywheel training, just like one of the things that are very easy to do uh, on a, on a flywheel training device. So, um, if, if, if you're a big believer in eccentric training and, uh, and you can see what's out there, then uh, I don't think it's a big stretch, you know, trying something like the K box that really makes it easier and more practical to, do that and obviously people love to see pro athletes and collegiate athletes using tools before they consider using them because it's like if the pros are using it it must be good because they're all about winning it at any cost using the latest greatest stuff so talk about you guys are actually pretty big in the performance space a lot of professional athletes and teams use them you want to give some examples of how uh by the way you, you mentioned too like huge in the u.s military there's also some pretty cool rehab implications as well because one of the the greatest areas of concern when it comes to injury is the eccentric phase of a movement. Like it doesn't happen as much when you come up from the bottom of a lunge, but it's you lunge out and you don't have the, the control or the stability or the strength. You can easily tear a ligament like an ACL. So that's why a lot of sport teams are using a lot of rehabilitation settings and obviously U.S. military. You know, those guys and gals have to be able to uh, put their life on the line and they need all the physical abilities they have at their disposal. So take us through uh, some of that, because it's obviously where you guys have been spreading the word. Absolutely. So I think that, um, uh, I think that's a really good, uh, I mean, when you're measuring something, uh, when you look into something that, you know, are other people using it? And I know I mentioned before that the company was founded in 2011, but just to, so your listeners know, the eccentric didn't come to the U.S. until like late 2013. And then we did uh, uh, quite a bit of like groundwork to kind of get the word out there. So we didn't really start selling uh, K boxes in the U.S. until like early 2015. So it's like four, four and a half years. And in those four and a half years, we went from like, you know, not existing or flywheel training, barely not existing to I, I believe we have like 70 pro teams. So we're in all major leagues uh, and we have... Um, some really, I mean, they're all amazing team, obviously, but we have some, you know, some of the top teams like, you know, like the Eagles that uh, won the Super Bowl here not too long ago. And, uh, you know, teams like of that caliber. And uh, same thing with the uh, collegiate sport. We have some of, you know, you know, around 70 something universities, like really, you know, really high end uh, good schools with really good athletic program using our products. And these are obviously athletes that want and needs to win so using best tools available so and they have been very positive 
uh, to our equipment. And that's, you know, helped it spread quite a bit. Uh, same thing with the military. I mean, they're, 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 their fitness, you know, then it's not just to win, you know, winning or winning is more important in the military because losing could end up meaning like your death, basically. So uh, these are, you know, men and women that take their um, fitness very seriously for that reason. And then uh, we've been extremely popular. We're, we're in all branches of the military. The, the VA, VA has actually done research on our product now for a couple of years. And, uh, I mean, we have, you know, special operations uh, units all over the over the world using it. Uh, you know, like some of the you know best athletes and best military personnel in the world using it. So, uh, yeah, so it, it's it's really good, obviously, uh, from our point of view. Like, it's awesome when you have these people wanting to use your equipment. Uh, but um, and that's really how we've been growing, like the, the word of mouth, like really great people and great organization using our equipment and, and liking it and getting good results. And then that, you know, that's been spreading. I think uh, it hasn't really reached to general population yet, but in that kind of uh, industry, like on that level, I would say we're really well known and very um, well, re- been very re- well received. Yeah, man. And, uh, you know, for those that are trainers listening, I I see a lot of MLB, NFL, NBA guys using it with trainers like, you know, Ben Bruno, Eric Cressy. I see the guys at Petrie Sports Science in Santa Barbara using it with a lot of their guys to develop, you know, vertical jump power, etc. And uh, so it's it's there and you see people using it. And and what I always say, and this right before I left Men's Health, I was like, let's do this series, because obviously there's some really great expensive stuff that the average Joe or Jane can't afford, but they can at least ask their gym to buy this. So it was going to be a series, this franchise called Ask Your Gym to Buy This, feature the latest, greatest training tools, and all you got to do is just harass your gym owner <laughs> to buy it for you so everybody at the gym can benefit. And uh, so, you know, in a lot of ways, uh, this is how you can approach some of this stuff. If you if you are, you know, at a gym that has a performance element to it, um, and you have knowledgeable trainers, they'll understand how this device separates itself from other training, uh, you know, modalities, and they'll see the benefit to having it available. And so that's one of my favorite ways to get people to uh, the fitness consumer to get involved with this, because most of them will not be able to afford it. It's cost prohibitive. And many people prefer to train at a gym anyway, and don't like to train at home. And then there's just as many that feel the exact opposite and like to get it for their home or garage gym. But, you know, again, take it from the standpoint of, you know, not that I can't afford it, ask your gym to buy it. And, you know, like, like all this stuff, it starts very cost prohibitive. And then as it scales, as the technology improves, as you know, the business builds, it can become more affordable over time. And at least you have your brain on the same wavelength in terms of what this means and, and something to keep an eye on in the future. Yes. And I think uh, pointing out uh, definitely no cost is, you know, a main concern for a lot of consumers. And I totally respect that, which is also the reason why we have three models now. So our, our, uh, our active model, which is our t- tier three model, is, uh, I would say, fairly affordable. Uh, so it started about 14, uh, 1450. And in the U.S., we actually have uh, we offer like 12 months, 0 percent financing, too. So there's you can actually get it at a fairly reasonable cost, I think, if you again consider what you're getting when you're buying it and how much you can do with it. Uh, but um, but yes, the, that's also something we're working on. I can I can tell 
tell you and your listeners now, I remember, so our, our best, the pro version that you have, the fancy version, uh, it sells for about $3,100 today. When we started this journey, so back in like 2013, 2014, that, um, not as good of a unit, but the equivalent of the uh, K-Box 4 Pro back then sold for about $4,500. So um, definitely prices has gone down, which uh, has a lot to do with, you know, higher demands. So we're, you know, we're producing more and, you know, we're getting more efficient in making them. And, uh, and like I said, now we have three different versions because not most home owners don't need a fancy unit like you, BJ, but uh, it is super cool to have. And it's, it's obviously a great piece of equipment, but um, I, I don't want people to feel like, oh, if I don't get the $3,100 unit, I can't do anything. Like, no, you're going to get the same um, same kind of kind of benefits using the active uh, or the light versus the pro, which is the name of our three units. And the pulley is actually less expensive than the box. Is that correct? At least the higher end boxes? Uh, higher end boxes. So you would have the active, the K-Box active would be the least, or least the, the most affordable. And then after that, would, you, you would have the K-Pulley, which is the horizontal you know, pulley system. And then you would have the light and the pro uh, boxes, which are more um, kind of professional units, so to say. And again, you know, in fairness too, like you and I prioritize this stuff. We love it. We, we do it for a living. So, you know, we, we, we almost scoff at the, the, the price point in the way, because we know like how many pieces of equipment it's replacing. We know it's versatility. We know it's proven in research. We've used it and enjoy it, but we have people listening as well that like might not be willing to even pay 20 bucks for a single resistance band. So, uh, there are certainly some people that either vomited, shat their pants, or both simultaneously <laughs> when you when you share the price point. Yep. <laughs> uh, but look, this, it is what it is. Like, you want the best shit out there, it costs money. That That's life. And uh, even if you can't access it, at least you can understand, you know, the benefit. And if you're a trainer, this is how a lot of trainers separate themselves from other gyms. We've got the best shit. Yep. And there's a guy that we've had on the show before, Gunnar Peterson, who literally has all the toys. Like, people go to his place – you know a because they respect him he's been in the field for a long time he's got his unique style and approach he knows how to work with celebrity and pro athlete clientele but he has all the equipment like not just some of the equipment he has all of it and, and it's, it's a way to separate yourself from other people so you make the choices and uh like you said it, it's going in the right direction in terms of becoming more affordable and in terms of what it replaces and what i see people spend money on for their garage gym like you know uh it's going to be most cases, a thousand bucks dollars for a power rack. You want to get a cable column, you know, we're talking 2500 to $5,000. It's going to take up a shit ton of space and it's going to require a lot of assembly. So you got to make these decisions for yourself. And, uh, you know, that's the one thing, like, you know, like I, I love to share new stuff, but because people know me as a minimal equipment guy, anytime I share like a cool tool, uh, the, the amount of hate and vitriol <laughs> I get because I'm sharing something people don't have. Yep. Versus like them being exposed to something that is like cutting edge, new, they're seeing it first. 90% of people think, well, awesome, but I don't have it. So fuck you. <laughs> That's literally what I get. So yep. um, I'm sure I'll get some hate from this, but it is what it is. A lot of people will enjoy it too. Um, we got about eight minutes left here. Do you have like some basic ideal, like set rep rest parameters or time-based stuff you kind of use for, you know, general fitness versus, uh, you know, again, you don't have to go too deep, but like, because of the fact that you can keep going, even though like the bar speed will slow, will slow or the rep speed will slow. Uh, you know, I mentioned, I'd mentioned like once I find myself not being able to kind of keep that same speed after let's say 10 or 12 reps, if I'm using a heavier load, you know, then I'll terminate the set. 
um, because I feel like I've lost the training effect. Mm -hmm. uh, how, how do you go about, because that, that's the learning curve that comes with this. You, you don't really necessarily reach traditional failure. Exactly. It's very different in a way. Um, and so it really comes down to, which is, you know, one of the benefits, again, of the flywheel is that it really depends on what you're trying to do. But if you were, if we're talking about general fitness, somebody is just, you know, trying to get or stay in shape. Um, I would recommend you're using more since you're not loading the machine. Like if you, if you were training with a barbell, you would know like, okay, I do squats. I do, you know, 12 reps with, you know, 120 pounds or whatever you're doing, like, you know, but with the, with the K box, since there's no weight really attached to it, you, it's whatever you put into it. You kind of have to decide it, it becomes more of an effort thing. So I usually have kind of in my head when I go like, Oh, I'm going to do 12, 12 repetitions, for example. And then, um, and then you kind of go uh, as hard as you, as you want. Uh, so uh, and again, when I go, I try, I, I'm, I'm pretty hardcore. Usually when I train, I try to, I usually go pretty all out when I, I, cause I, I kind of like it and I, I want to like really, you know, push myself. And uh, um, so it really depends on the exercise, but I, it, it's similar. And I would say eight to 15 reps. I usually stay on the like a higher rep range when there's somebody like new or uh, cause then you, you know, obviously you're not putting as much effort into if, if you're doing 15 reps in general, cause that that it really sucks to go all out for 15 reps you know and so most people would you know go a little bit lighter per rep uh, and um and same thing with somebody new uh just to get used to the use the device you know around 15 uh repetitions and um and then i mean you can do stuff like uh, what i really like to do i think you mentioned it before i i like to do kind of metabolic uh, you know cardiovascular circuits so then i usually do for time um, I generally don't go above 45 seconds because it's just too painful. Uh, but uh, you can kind of experiment with, I've done kind of hit style where, you know, you get on for like 30 seconds and then you, you know, rest for 90 seconds and then get on it again. So uh, again, there's so many, so many different things you can do with it, um, uh, which makes it and it's extremely versatile uh, you, you're really getting a lot, uh, a lot of options in one, in, in one device. It's funny you mentioned that too. I, I find the sweet spot to be 20 to 40 seconds of work for most of the movements in terms of keeping the speed and before it just becomes like, you know, uh, just a hellish experience. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because, I think, yeah. It becomes like a mental exercise at some point when, you know, if you're going too far, cause then it's just like, you really just want to stop. But uh, if you want to go more, kind of keep the speed up then um i think you're right 20 to 4 40 i usually do around 30 which is yeah in between what you just said obviously so uh but i've seen people go longer um but um yeah but that's the thing it's it's completely up to you which is the cool thing like you can experiment you can figure out what works best for you depending on what you're trying to do you know what sports you're in or you know, if you're, you know, what you're preparing for or what kind of fitness level you want to achieve. So it's just uh, so many variations with one piece of equipment. And again, I think it also works really well if you want to like go over to like the trainer aspect. If you have, if you're working out like a couple, for example, they can still use the same equipment. You don't really have to change anything in between. So there's a lot of really cool things with the, uh, since it is variable resistance and you can kind of mix and match uh, uh, with different people for different settings. So uh, I think it's it's just really cool. 
Yeah, man. And, you know, there's a learning curve for sure. And I, I know one thing that you guys recommend too is like, you know, take it easy on the first couple reps, just to kind of ease into the movement and then you can kind of hit it. So that's a nice little tip that I've enjoyed. Like usually the first two reps I consider free and, th- and then, th- then I start getting after it. Or even before the set starts, I might do like a rep or two at an easy pace just to groove the pattern that then, you know, when the timer goes, I hit it. Um, but yeah, the one thing, you know, initially too, you got to learn how to adjust uh, the strap with the, with the box and, and figure it out in terms of uh, certain movements. So yeah, again, like uh, we're, we're not trying to make it seem like this is this uh, it's an amazing tool, but you know, it does require more of a learning curve than, you know, grabbing a pair of dumbbells and lifting it. So uh, you got to be willing to be patient enough to kind of work through that. And, and you guys have like, I know you shared with me too. And some of the initial models, there may have been some issues with uh, the strap that you guys have addressed. You, you, because you've gotten so many users now, you're, you're fixing a lot of things along the way that the latest versions have kind of addressed. And because uh, I, I know the people that have bought in from seeing it at my, at, at my social media first, you know, they all love it. And, and they asked me like, why didn't you share more with them? It's like, well, it's because, like only 20 to 50 of you actually have one <laughs> of, you know, the half a million people that I reach. So um, we're trying to change that BJ. We're doing our best over here. Yeah, no, <laughs> but that's the thing, like doing big things takes time, man. And you guys uh, are still really early on uh, and finishing here. Like, you know, what are, what are some of the bigger challenges you guys are addressing now and what, what's next in the final minutes here? Uh, I mean, think uh, biggest challenge is just getting out there. And I think that, you know, we're, it's a little bit of an uphill battle because we are something that's fairly new still. And, you know, dumbbells and barbells been around forever. So it's just, uh, I think it's more of a mindset thing that people are still like convinced uh, in general that, you know, I need to lift something that's physically heavy and put it down to like get stronger. And I, I don't, and that's not necessarily true or it isn't true. Uh, but I think, you know, we're, uh, we're stuck in that mindset a little bit. And I, I'm the same way sometimes, too. I'm like, I really feel I need to do some barbell back squats sometimes just because, you know, it just feels heavier uh, sometimes. But um, so just getting the word out there and, uh, and uh, you know, uh, and, you know, having uh, people being open minded and just getting out there. I think that's the biggest challenge. And uh, but we're working on it daily and we're doing pretty good. Um, as far as uh, the equipment goes, we're constantly doing like research and development. I'm, I'm afraid I can't like really tell you what we're working on, but I can tell you that we're spending pretty much tons of time and money and effort into like continuing, you know, pushing the edge of what flywheel and equipment can do. We're working on, you know, other devices and other, uh, other really cool stuff. So uh, we're never going to settle. We're never going to, you know, one day wake up and be like, Hey, we have the best device. It's perfect. We can never make anything better. That's never going to happen. So, and it's a lot thanks to users like you who gives us feedback uh, over the years that we've been able to improve the equipment and um, yeah. And so we're just trying to like make the best equipment possible uh, and um, you know, learning every day and just, you know, to continue that struggle to, you know, make something that we believe is really good to make it even better and better and better. Well, man, it's been such a pleasure having you on and I'm so glad we got connected and that I've experienced this device. And uh, again, those listening, you don't have to get it. Um, If you have it in your budget and you really like the high level, latest and greatest stuff, anybody that has uh, seen it from my page or my channels that has gotten has really enjoyed it. And it's been a great tool for home or uh, at gym use. Definitely something to consider. Check out the website. Uh, Any special promotions were mentioned earlier in the show before we started recording with andreas 
And uh, it, it sounds like you, you spread it. And we got like 20 seconds left before we get shut down here. But you spread <laughs> it mainly for social media and, uh, you know, strength, conditioning, clinics, conferences. You, you, it's been a grassroots approach. Yes. And uh, again, thanks, BJ, for having me on here. Uh, great to be here. Thank you so much for the opportunity.